0: In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, so tonight's problem is the problem of evil, or the P-O-E, problem of evil. Why is this a problem? All right, or who can actually, let's, let's back up one thing. Who can maybe tell us what the problem of evil is?
1: Roll up.
2: God created everything. God, if God is good, mm-hmm. then why does evil exist since he created
0: everything and it's only good? Yeah. God created everything. Everything's good. Why is evil here? Yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts on that? Expansions on that definition? Ken?
1: Sure. If God is always sovereign
0: and there are no maverick molecules, then how can there be evil? Yeah, exactly. If God actually is sovereign, then how can there be evil? Because... Evil doesn't seem like it's under God's control. right? So, Why is that a problem, then, for us as Christians? Because it seems like God is not in control. Yeah, because it's kind of a direct challenge to God. Right. Has right. anybody ever uh, talked to anyone where that was a question, Or someone asked you that question? Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very frequent question. And it's actually, as uh, theologian John Frame said, probably the most difficult problem in all of theology. So this is uh, this is for real. This is a big question and one that we shall not just glance over with platitudes and pithy sayings, right? So here is what a couple of you already alluded to the kind of the classic syllogism. Okay, so premise 1, as Christians would say, uh, the biblical God exists. The biblical God is all good and all powerful. And then reality comes in and says, but evil exists. And so hence the problem. Therefore, the biblical God cannot exist. Or if he does, he's unable or unwilling to prevent evil. So that's That's a pretty big problem, right? The biblical, therefore, if because there is evil, God can't exist. Okay, fine, Christian. But if he does exist, then why doesn't he do something to stop evil? Is he unable to stop evil, or is he just unwilling to stop evil? Epicurus in 300 BC. So people have been thinking about this for a really long time said this: "Is God willing to prevent evil, evil, but not able? Then he's not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? then he's male-
2: Malevolent. 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 <laughs>
0: Malevolent He's bad. Is he both willing, able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? That's what people have been saying since 300 B.C. So we've been talking about this a mighty, mighty long time. So let's kind of just set some more uh, introductory kind of groundwork here. There's a couple really kind of types of the problem of evil. There's the logical problem of evil, and there's the practical problem of evil. The logical problem of evil says what we've been saying long. Well, how can both God and evil exist? It doesn't make sense seems like two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. How can both God and evil exist? That's the logical problem of evil. What could kind of be a quick response to the logical problem of evil? How, how could both God and evil exist in this world? What might a Christian say? It's a fallen world. It's a fallen world. Yeah. We don't That's know, the, we
3: know good if we don't know evil.
0: We don't know good if we don't know evil. Yes, we're going to get to all of those. Yeah, but those are all good things, right? That does give an explanation of logically why there is evil. But let's face it, people are not really comforted by the logical reassurance of what evil is and why is it, right? And so the reality is is that the there's a practical problem of evil. Wow, we're out of chairs and everything. No,
3: there's one here. There's one, here, one, there, one, here there. one here. One here. There's one here. We got three. of
0: I'm not moving. So the, the practical problem of evil, where it really hits, where the rubber hits the road, is why is this evil happening to me? Right? It's fine. Explain the logical problem of evil. I get it. Whatever. There's sin in the world, but I want to know why I got cancer. I want to know why my kid just abandoned me and told me. To I don't know why my spouse just got in a car accident why what's what's, what's the hard part about that Caleb.
2: you that would be specific to an individual person and you don't
0: know anything about that person so you can't explain that okay necessarily okay well, there's it's also emotional. Emotional, so you got emotions in the way. And what Caleb was hitting on too is that there's absolutely tons of variables, yeah. right? I don't know. Like on a, on, a, on, a, on a physical level or a scientific level, maybe somebody got cancer for whatever because they had poor life choices or because of this, that, and the other thing or whatever else, right? But then what other dynamics, what other variables come into play? Somebody got into a car accident because they weren't paying attention or somebody just came at them and they weren't paying attention, right? There's so many variables, but that doesn't get to the heart of like, okay, but why me? Why now? Right? That's, that's the, the practical problem of evil and that's where the rub is. Really, There's some, a couple other definitions of evil itself. I'll try and keep getting that out of the way, but again, you got everything on your handouts. There is moral evil. In other words, an agent causes <clears throat> evil, sin. I sin against Sue. I, I yell at Sue. I'm very harsh. With Sue. It's terrible. I could never, ever imagine <laughs> doing that. That's a moral evil. Someone assaults somebody else. That's an act. An agent has done something to someone else. Committed moral evil. There's natural evil, where no agent necessarily has caused that. That could be tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunami, boy bands. No. <laughs> Viruses. Viruses. not necessarily an agent involved. No political theories here, okay? No, no political conspiracy theories here about the origins of COVID. But those things, right, are not necessarily uh, an agent involved. Those are, are natural. Evils. We could say that moral evil caused natural evil. How could we say that moral evil caused natural evil? I gave you some Bible verses there, so you know I'm going biblical. Ronald, you moved up here.
1: Yeah, I gave my seat up for this much worse seat. (laughs) (laughs) Genesis 3. Yes. The creation itself is cursed along with Adam and Eve.
0: That is exactly the reference that was there. And you don't even have a handout in front of you.
1: Also, what's wrong with boy bands?
0: <laughs> Part of the fault. Yeah, so cursed is the ground because of you, right? Sin cursed the ground. Uh, Romans 8 tells us that creation is groaning, right? For some sort of resolution, right? So. When Adam and Eve fell, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered the world and it cursed the whole world, including the physical world. That's why we have natural disasters. That's why we have storms and hurricanes and tsunamis and all of that stuff. There's two other highly nerdy types of evil. The metaphysical evil, which deals with demons and Satan. We have an enemy. There is an army of people that are against God and this church. And then one from... Uh, John MacArthur, he called eternal evil, which is hell itself. Hell will be eternal. So four different definitions of evil. Stop me at any time with comments, questions, disparaging remarks. All, all so right, let's let's look at yeah. Okay.
2: So natural evil is really a false category then, because it's caused either by the fall or. We know that Satan and the demons can mess with things occasionally.
0: Yeah, but we—that's not always clear to us, right? What's going on behind the yeah. scenes, right? When we have a tsunami that kills 100,000 people, it's like, yeah. why? Who did that? Why did that happen? Is it just a result of environmental, whatever factors, or is whatever? Yeah. So traditionally, we carve it out to its own category. But let's look at the worldviews, the three worldviews that we have atheism, selfism, and theism. Right, remember, people aren't neutral. Your worldview will affect your interpretation of these things. And so the first one is atheism, which what's at the center of atheism?
2: Self.
0: Self. Well, no, that's the next one. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Ah, theism. Nothing. nothing. There's no God. I'm against no. God. There's nothing. <coughs> Therefore, there's no purpose, right? So, what would they say about evil? Evil just kind of happens. It happens randomly and it happens without reason. How does that help and comfort someone when that's the explanation? There's no explanation from evil, stuff just happens.
1: No one really believes
0: that. Yeah. No one really does believe that. No one actually lives like that. But that's ultimately what an atheistic worldview is going to lead you to. Like, if you're going to say, there is no God, therefore there is no purpose, there is nothing, then therefore how could evil have any purpose? It also, it also says, like, this whole discussion is meaningless because mm-hmm. who cares? Like, evil's evil, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters if, if you're going to call something evil. Also, side well, note, you have no basis to call it yeah, evil because you don't have any morale. Yeah, how can you call it evil if there's no um, basis? It's just someone's the... choice. Um, it's totally hopeless. It's the ultimate end to an atheistic position. It, they, they would say that it presents or proves or uh, proves rather that there is no God. Famous quote by atheist Bertrand Russell: Anybody who has sat beside the bed of a dying child cannot possibly believe in God. And his obvious assertion there was: If you're looking at a pure, innocent child dying, how could you possibly believe that there was? we in the biblical worldview would say otherwise, right? This worldview fails because it's inconsistent. Why Ron just told us, nobody lives like that. It's impossible to live consistently within an atheistic worldview because no matter what you say, you're going to live like things have meaning and value and everything else. right? So an atheist who believes that evil is just meaningless and random is walking down the street, they are hit over the head, and they are beaten and robbed, What are they going to do? They're going to call the cops, right? (laughs) They're going to demand justice. On what grounds? Evil is meaningless and random. That person just made a choice. That's
3: all. So
0: everybody is going to try to sustain that worldview until they need justice because everybody wants justice. We also know that the effects of evil are real. Actually, we all know the pain of evil. We want some resolution. And if it's random, there's no resolution to it. It's just random. Uh, let's look at the next one. Selfism. What's at the center of self, Ken? Self.
2: Selfism.
0: <laughs> selfism would say, the existence of evil has to have a reason that I can understand. That's what selfism would say. It has to have a reason that I can understand. Why does this fail?
2: Because not everybody has the same concept of evil. The guy in the prison cell who is a child abuser
3: does not have the same concept of evil that I do. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it's up, open to your own interpretation. Yeah. 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 What evil is. Exactly.
0: Completely, against subjective and relative and all of that. Right. This is the ultimate arrogance of self. God owes me an explanation that I will understand and accept for anything that I disagree with, or anything that I find offensive, or anything that is not acceptable to me. That's selfism, right? But the question is, why are we owed an explanation, and what makes us think that we could understand it if God were to give it? Mm -hmm. If he is the God of the Bible, right, all-sovereign, all-knowing, He's going to stoop down and he's going to give one of his creatures from the dirt an explanation on something that happened. And we're supposed to understand the billions of things that are going back and forth for whatever just happened.
2: Yeah, Q. Isn't that what God tells Job? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Before? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this,
0: I don't have to give you an answer. Yeah, his multi-chapter mm. smackdown of Job. <laughs> exactly. It elevates ourself, right? This problem was increased by... The Enlightenment, of course, where we started to think for ourselves, everything had to be rational, we had to have, you know, human thought and reason was now elevated elevated as the highest thing. So even God has to bow to my reason. Tim Keller said, um, human beings became far more confident in their own powers of reason and perception. A little bit too confident, right? Because we're asking God to explain himself. Why did this happen, God? Explain this to me, like the boss. You know, you're the boss and you're calling God into the office to give an explanation for what happened. In other words, what this is really saying is I can't see or imagine any good reason for evil, so therefore there must not be any. If, if there's not a reason for evil that I understand, therefore there's not any. Right? So therefore, where's God? What's he doing? Keller again says that uh, if a judge were to rule over a case where he or she was invested, they would excuse themselves and they'd abstain from judging. Right? Our highest goal, our biggest interest as human beings is ourselves and our human flourishing and our independence and our autonomy. Right? So you better believe we're not going to let God in that picture because <laughs> we don't want God. We don't want God over us. We want to be. We want ourselves over us. Right? So we're already biased. We're not going to accept anything because if I have to accept God's reasoning, that means he's in charge, not me. But I want to be in charge because I'm the center of the universe. That's what, that's what the fall says. The temptation then is that we can reinvent God to make him understandable. We can reinvent God to make him
2: understandable.
0: And there's a couple dangerous theologies that come out of this. One is process theology. I think we talked about that once before. That's saying that God is developing and changing in response to his environment. You know, as, as evil gets the upper hand, then God has to change and adapt and react, which is just craziness. It's process theology. Another one is open theism. There are some things that God just doesn't know. You know, he set the world in motion, he's done his thing, but there's other stuff he's not sure how it's going to work out. This is very uh, typical in a more Arminian type theology where there are some things that God is in control of, but then there's other things that I'm in control of. The only problem with that is your Bible, right? Because that's not what it says, right? There are some things. In other words, God is not actually sovereign. And then another dangerous theology from trying to reinvent God to make him understandable is dualism. There's just a war. Good versus evil. God versus Satan. He wins some and he loses some. Every once in a while he lets a plane fall out of the sky because he just couldn't get there in time. Or he let a a rogue tsunami crash into the Philippines or something. Satan sometimes wins. It's just dualism. Good versus evil. So you see what, when we try to understand what God is doing, we're actually also making different versions of God. What is it again when we make different versions of God? Heresy. That's true. was <laughs> <It's laughs> thinking of more Old Testament word. Idolatry. Idolatry. Yeah. Yep. Questions, comments, thoughts? Encouraging remarks. Any other ways that we can reinvent God to make Him understandable? God is still developing and changing. Yeah, so is
2: progressive Christianity. Doing I thought about some that. Of
0: that. I thought about that, and I I couldn't put the pieces together. Mm. But what do you think?
2: I don't know if you're trying to make God more palatable by changing. The way we present and or view him, that's changing God, right? Yeah. So yeah. that we can accept him or understand him yep. in the way we
0: want to. Yep. Progressive theology uh, would say that, right, there's no standard doctrine. Doctrine itself is growing and changing along with everything else, right? And you'll see that with, you know, they attack substitutionary atonement, they attack the deity of Christ, they attack the Trinity, they attack, of course, anything uh, human sexuality-related, all of that. And so, yeah, progressive Christianity, I would think, would be another way that we can reinvent God because, again, he's, he's bowing to us and how we understand culture.
1: So,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Ronald?
1: Uh, you see evidence of people naturally gravitating towards anthropomorphizing and making idols for themselves throughout human history and the immutability of god is a foundational principle to understand about this character he will never change yeah he can't change yeah and that's good
0: <laughs> anthropomorphizing in other words bringing god down to human level right expressing who god is in terms of people which the bible does the eyes of god the hand of god the jealousy Right, some of those things, the emotions, those things, right? But in doing that, sometimes we kind of bring God a little bit too far down. And he's not like us. He's completely other. So, yeah, brother.
2: You know, I was just thinking kind of on the lines of what they both said about how um, what I see sometimes happening in the, in the church, uh, the progressive churches it's developing is they take the old problems of evil and instead of making them the standard, they absorb them into them being redefined as not evil anymore. So different things with human sexuality, things with um, the sacredness of marriage or gender or things like that. Instead of them defining them as an evil, their way of dealing with the problem of evil is redefining them as not being evil anymore. So then they get encompassed under the umbrella of the God that tolerates all things because now there is no evil. There's only toleration and love. Yeah. In the divine
0: world. And you see how they could, we'll get to that in a second, they could spread that out over to the problem of evil, except that falls right on their face immediately because everybody knows evil exists. Yeah. Good. All right, so let's get to theism, which is the biblical worldview, right? Theism has what at the center again? God. Theos. Yes, God. Here's what the biblical worldview is saying. God is sovereign over all things, including Evil. What does sovereign mean again? I always forget. In control. In control of all things, as someone said, no maverick molecules. Whoever said that? One of my favorite sayings, right? <laughs> there's no ma- if there's one. RC said if there's one maverick molecule in all, all of God's creation, He is not actually God, right? And that's that's the truth. He is over every single aspect of His creation, sovereign over everything, including evil. Um Johnny Mack said again, which he had, I linked it, uh, in, I think, in your footnotes, but he had a great talk at uh, a Ligonier conference a while back about this whole thing. He said, if you're having trouble accepting that God is sovereign, then think a while about the possibility of him not being sovereign.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, if you just can't wrap your mind around the fact that God is sovereign over every ant and every bug and every molecule, think about what it would be like if he wasn't. This whole world would just come apart at the seams instantly. So, if God is sovereign over all things, including evil, where on earth do we get that from? Somebody jump over to Deuteronomy 32 39. Somebody got that for us. Just raise your hand if you want to get that. Jason, all right. Somebody go over to 1 Samuel 2 6 and 7. Who'll grab that? I'll grab that. Thank you. And Isaiah 45 7. One more. Thank you, Tony. Alright, sword drill, you have to stand up and read it in a loud voice. No, just kidding. Alright, Deuteronomy. Where do we get this idea that God is sovereign over everything? Deuteronomy 32, 39. Now see that I, even I am, he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Whoa. I had my first theology professor at Seminar, Dr. Dr. Bruce Ware, called these spectrum texts. They show the spectrum of God's power and attributes, right? He says, There's no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There's no one that can deliver out of my hand. Put that on a coffee mug, huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Who's got? I'm going to make those someday. That's one of my business ideas. Call them man mugs or something. First uh, <laughs> Samuel 2, 6 and 7. Somebody got that? Uh, yep. Yeah. The Lord puts to death and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol the grave and raises up from the grave. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. All right. Another spectrum text. The Lord kills and brings to life. Brings down to Sheol and he raises up, brings down to the place of the dead and resurrects. And then Isaiah 45, 7. I form the light, I create darkness. That brings prosperity, and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yep. I form the light, I create darkness. Uh, ESV says I make well-being and create calamity. And if you're rolling KJV, it actually says evil. And here's like one actual instance where I agree with the KJV translators because in Hebrew, this is Ra, which is evil. So it says, I make well being and create evil. These things. Scripture tells us God is sovereign over all things, including evil. So, what is the main challenge of this then? Right? When When that. View, I hate that thing. When that view comes up, the main challenge then. You might hear if you're ever talking to someone. They might be quick to ask this question. Then, isn't God then the author of sin? Isn't then God the author of evil? If you just said He's over all those things and He does all of those things, isn't then God? evil? He did not. He did not.
1: We made our bed.
0: He did. We made our bed. So, is God the author of sin? No. Human beings are. And if you're talking with someone and they're smart, they're going to say, okay, yeah, fine, but he still created the world, he still created human beings, he still gave them free will, and they chose to sin, so then who's the one who put that in their brains? Who's the one who gave them that free will? Who's the one that knew if God is all these spectrum texts? Who's the one that knew that people would sin? So if he's God, then ultimately isn't God responsible for
1: evil? If God created everyone for knowing whether or not they would accept or reject or be called and elect, then therefore God is cruel because he created (coughs) unbelievers knowing that they were unbelievers and that they
0: we end up in hell. Are you trying to start more trouble or what are you saying? Please address.
2: Your turn. <laughs> we
0: will talk about that at a later date.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think I could adequately hide behind another verse in around me that says the secret things belong to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we do not know whose his elect are. He, he does. That's God's fifth. And he's not preventing necessarily preventing anyone from coming to him. We have plenty of scriptures that tell us anyone who comes to him, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. So, only he will know what is in someone's heart. Um, But, so if human beings with a free will, right, again, can we place the blame then on God? And the answer is he did not create evil, but he sovereignly ordains evil. He didn't create evil, but he sovereignly ordains evil. And I have a quote from uh, Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology. It says, even a verse such as Isaiah 45:7, which we just read, which speaks of God creating evil, note the quotes, does not say that God himself does evil, but should be understood to mean that God ordained that evil would come about through the willing choices of his creatures. In other words, God is not surprised that evil exists, right? He knew when he created us that we would choose evil, right? And so we certainly did choose evil in that, but God was fully aware of it. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't anything that's gone wrong in that.
3: Because we
0: have our free will. We have our free will, right? Anybody's perfectly capable of jacking up their life in five minutes or less, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: But we, so, what we what we're feeling now is that temptation, right, to be like, "Oh, but I can't let God take the blame for evil." Why not?
1: Because his we nature just is good. what? Because
2: elsewhere in the Bible it says His nature
0: is only good. Because it says his only good. Genesis one thirty, He was finished with His work, and it was good. It was good. Yep, yeah, in His original state, right. We have to resist the temptation to let God off the hook. We really, really do. Um, and, and in doing that, right, it's led to several bad, what we call theodicies. And a theodicy is just a defense of God. Like, we have to run to God's defense, right? God's shoulders are big enough to handle what Scripture just put on him. We've got to remember that, right? So we can't just in our apologetic efforts, can't just try to wipe the slate clean of anything of God's responsibility, because even responsibility is a dicey topic when you're talking about God, because who's God responsible to? Not a, nobody. Yeah, nobody. He's not responsible to anybody. So if we use the word responsible, that means you're already off base, because God's not responsible. God's not accountable to anyone. God does what God does, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sinful about that, right? And he's not surprised. And he's not surprised. And when we try to jump into God's defense a little bit too much, right, with a weird theodicy, we're trying to explain God, and that only goes so far. Good?
1: A common objection is, why doesn't God just put a stop to this? There's so much evil in the world. Why doesn't he just put a stop to it? And the answer to that is, first off, if he put a stop to evil, he would have to destroy all of us. Mm -hmm. And secondly, none of us would be here today if he didn't allow his plan to continue. Mm -hmm. If he put a stop to evil 100 years ago, none of us would exist. And a simple way to understand this is, it's a crude analogy, but for those of you that have children, you love your kids. You know they're going to make mistakes. You know they're going to rebel. You know they're going to fight you. And they're going to sin. But you still love that. Child, anyway, and we love through them, and that is a microcosm of our relationship with the Father.
3: Yeah, yeah, okay.
2: so what would your recommended response be to someone who said Isaiah 40 is a demonstration that God is an agent of evil? How would you respond to
0: that? Mm, we're gonna get to that. hold that thought before we get there. I want to look at some common theodicies and their failures, All right? Some common uh responses when you get to that point. And full disclosure, I've probably done most of these, okay? 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 I I remember I had a conversation with somebody over at Tomato Garden, and they were just throwing at me everything they possibly can, and I think I loaded my little revolver with every one of these, and he wasn't buying any of them. Because he's right, right? So, okay, so full disclosure, right? Except this first one. The first theodicy is the illusion theodicy. Evil doesn't actually exist. It's an illusion. Therefore, God can't be blamed because evil doesn't actually exist. And before you snicker, that's what Buddhists would say. That's what Christian science would say. As Johnny Mac said, they're neither Christian nor science. (laughs) So there are actual worldviews out there that would say that evil is just an illusion. Pantheism would say the same thing. Evil is just an illusion. Why does that fail?
2: Because we don't act like
0: that. Because we don't act like that, right? Because who in their right mind actually believes that evil is an illusion? We know the pain of evil is real. We feel it. It's an illusion. Why would you want justice? It's an illusion. Why would you want justice? The pain of evil is real. You go back to the law of causation or whatever else you want to go to. right? Something caused that pain. Evil is real. So illusion theodicy fails. Here's one. The best possible world theodicy. In other words, God couldn't create perfect beings because if he did, then they'd all be gods. So he just had to create them just a little bit,
3: just a little bit
0: broken, right? Because they couldn't be perfect. So he couldn't create a world where there was no sin. Because if he did that and everybody was perfect, then they'd all be gods. And there's only one God. So he just has to create your to a little bit incomplete. And so therefore, eh, this is what we get.
1: Adam and Eve were good, but they were human. You know, exactly. They were sinless. Right. So Genesis contradicts that.
0: Yeah. And the reality is too, it fails because God is free to make things perfect or imperfect. That's what we gotta keep going back to. It's like God is God and God can do whatever God wants to do. He could have made things perfect, but he wouldn't, and he didn't. Right? He was within his power. And also, how the heck are we supposed to know what is the best world? Like, here we are again, jumping into the driver's seat and trying to understand what this is. Well, it's, you know, God just, he gave it his best try, you know? <laughs> he tried. Yeah, I could have helped him a little, but... <laughs> yeah, he did the best possible job he did with the materials he was given, you know? Best possible world, theodicy fails. Here's another one, free will, theodicy. This is a very, very popular one. This is one I was definitely shooting at, my friend. In other words, God had to preserve our free will, and therefore the potential for us to choose evil. So therefore, God can't be blamed because he gave us free will. So it's not really his fault, it's our fault, but he really wanted to give
1: that to us.
0: That fails for a really big reason, because God is sovereign and man is responsible. John Frame says, even when scripture specifically mentions God, God's foreordination of an evil event, the blame for the evil rests exclusively on the human perpetrators. Here's some examples. Well, I didn't move my side. Thank you. Um, example, Old Testament Israel. They rebelled against God, but God knew that they were going to rebel against Him, right? Who got judged? They did. They got exiled, right? How about Pharaoh? The age old question mm-hmm. Did Pharaoh harden his heart, or did God, Pharaoh, harden <laughs> Pharaoh's heart? How did he yes. Play? <laughs> yes. The answer to that is yes. yes. <laughs> right? But who's responsible? Who got judged? Pharaoh. Right? God didn't get judged. Pharaoh got judged. The Jewish leaders, the Romans who put God on the cross, we can go on and on and on. All those, they were responsible, not God. So scripture says, yeah, okay, we had free will, but that wasn't God's fault. You can't pin that on him. We're responsible for that. So free will theodicy fails. So does the greater good theodicy. Definition, God will always bring about a greater good from evil. We probably all said that to somebody at one time or another, right? Or some derivation thereof. Like Romans 8, 28, and we rip it out of context yeah. and paste it into the situation and say, you lost that job, but God's going to give you a better job. What's the problem with that? He might not. He might not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a rule, right? It's not 100% true. It doesn't always work like that. God's not always going to give you something better from evil. Not always. So therefore, we better. It and also define better, right? That's what we would say, we define the better, right? Right, that's Mm -hmm. selfism. We We also know, (coughs) yeah, exactly. Naming it and claiming it. We also know that straight up, evil is, we'll we'll give one little nugget to the atheistic worldview, evil is sometimes just random. And it's like, why did that happen? I don't know, we're not gonna know sometimes. Right, and so that blows that out of the water too. Sometimes people would call this character building or soul building. In other words, God's going to do what God has to do in order to make you the best person you possibly can be, right? Which, sort of, because there's a part of that, there's a nugget of that that's true in sanctification for believers. Everything God is going to use for our good. We know that, right? But... Once well, again, our free will gets in the way and that gums up the works and sometimes we fight and resist and all of that. So, the greater good theodicy, and that's not a good one to hide behind either. All these things are an attempt to get God off the hook. Mm. Two more. I like this one. The ex lex theodicy. In other words, God is outside the law. Ex, outside, lex, law. Right? God ex, ex lex, no, no, not, not X. That's something very different. <laughs> God is above the law. God can do what he wants. Which, yes, part of that is true. You see where there's a nugget of truth in all these things? But when we talk about God's law, it's not just a set of rules. It's wrapped up in God's character. So you can't just separate God. God's not above his own law. God's in and of his law because it's his character. So murder is sin, right? So we can't just let God off the hook there. He's just, he doesn't float above the law in some sort of things, characters in there. So we can't let God off the hook there either. And the last one, of course, something we've talked about is the fallen wor- world, the Odyssey. In other words, hey, don't blame us. I mean, don't blame God, rather. Blame us. We're the ones that brought sin into this world, which again, Very true. Partly true, but we can't use that to get God off the hook because if God is sovereign over all things, it wasn't like God was up up in the, in the heavens going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they actually ate the apple. What the heck? Now what am I going to do? Everybody, conference room, five minutes, let's figure <laughs> this out. <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> you can tell the people who watch the office. It fails because this doesn't answer the question. It doesn't prove that he isn't responsible. It just says that we are. So No, 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 no. Don't look at God. Look at us. Meanwhile, the atheist or the agnostic is going, yeah, but (laughs) you just said God knows everything. So we didn't know this, right? And also, we could never hide behind this. We could never stand before God and say, oh, the devil made me do it. Or go full Genesis 3 and say, the woman that you gave me named me. That ain't going to work. Oh, we're the problem with evil.
2: That makes total sense. I, you know. (laughs) What kind of church is this? We're
0: going full toxic masculinity. That's where we're going. But the point is, if you're going to hold to that fallen world theodicy, then you can say something like that. And you know that's not going to hold anymore. So where does this leave us? I know you guys are all going to walk out and want your money back, but the unfortunate answer that we have to fess up to is we don't know. And we have to have the courage to say that. Christians have done far more damage than trying to cling to one of these other, and that's just a sample. There's a lot of them. Try to explain away evil. Try to explain away the problem of evil. Try to explain away God himself and bring him down to our understanding. One of the most powerful things, you can look somebody in the face and say, I don't know. right? Because here's what's in parentheses. No one does. <laughs> no one has an explanation for that. Not any philosopher, not any theologian, not any worldview, not any religion, religion nothing. Mm-hmm. Christianity, the biblical worldview, is actually far better than any of them. It's the most reasonable, logical explanation, which we'll look at in a minute, right? But we don't have an airtight theodicy. And we don't really need one. And it's time for refreshing honesty, not pithy Christian ease. Right? Because people are too smart for that now. You're going to throw the free will defense out of them, and you're going to get shot down.
1: We may not know,
0: but the word but. God has a plan. Yeah, exactly. We know the plan. Yep. And so we've got to respect the problem in a, in, a, in a way. right? This is a massive problem with no simple resolution. right? And sometimes in Christianity, we just want to throw little things at it to make it go away. Right? This is not something we can do that with.
1: So, yeah, if we don't know the origins or the explanation for evil, then we fall back to the four worldviews. Existence is either caused, it's not caused, it's an illusion, or it's eternal. And so then you're, you're right back at the beginning, which we can explain the biblical one. Yep. Yep.
0: Which is exactly where we'll go in three seconds. <laughs> so remember, when we're there, remember again the limitations and the goals of apologetics. Right? Limitations, right? We are never going to explain everything about God to someone beyond a shadow of a doubt. So if you think that's the goal of apologetics, again, take that out of your brain. That's not going to happen. We are never going to explain everything about God beyond all doubt. Neither can we then explain the problem of evil beyond all doubts. That's the limitations. But the purpose of apologetics is to provide a contextual, compassionate, and compelling defense of the faith that stimulates serious consideration. When we're going through defending the faith on Sunday mornings with Peter, Paul, and Jesus, we looked at each one of them how uh, they had a contextualized, compassionate, and compelling defense. Right? That's our goal. We want to provide a contextual, compassionate, compelling defense that stimulates serious consideration of these things. You want to be that pebble in somebody's shoe. You want to place those doubts. You want to get them to ask questions of their own worldview. You want to, of course, make and mature disciples in the process of doing that. Right? You do want to speak the truth. But we're not saving anybody. We're not going to convince anybody in this. We're not going to walk away, and person's going to go, "Wow, that was a really airtight case for the problem of evil." Tell me how I received Jesus. <laughs> Probably not, in all likelihood. Maybe the Lord will bless you with that. So let's 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 reset, right? And now let's look at what does this mean for us. So what could be our defense, right? And as Ron. Told us, took us right to you so wisely. Number one, explain the biblical worldview. We start at the beginning. We're going to go back to where it is. Explain the big story of the Bible. This brings hope that he will do something to fix evil forever, right? There is an actual, in the biblical worldview, we talk about that, right? The four parts, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, right? Restoration, the pinky part. He is going to do something once and for all to end evil. He's going to come again. He's going to judge evil. He's going to banish evil. What other worldview has that end to evil? That Jesus will actually come and, and, and make it right. So this brings hope that he will do something to fix evil forever. The great R.C. said, Though we cannot understand the origin of evil, we do know the future of it. Though we can't understand the origin of evil, we do know the future of it, and that future is that God will destroy it one day. It will be gone. That's the future. All right. But also, the biblical worldview then brings the truth that God has done something to fix evil already. What has God done to fix evil already? The cross. That's right. Jesus,
1: and this goes into, right? Everybody's
0: like, does he mean Jesus? <laughs> of course, he has done something. Right? There's no other worldview where actually they have done something to cripple evil, to be sovereign over evil, right? Jesus dealt evil a death blow on the cross, right? That's why, here's the ultimate example of that in the cross, right? That's why they call it Good Friday. Because the greatest evil that was ever done to a human being ever was done to give us the greatest good that could ever be done. So we've got to come back to that. So step one, explain the biblical worldview. The big story of the Bible. The four parts of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Second, while you're doing that, emphasize the sovereignty of God.
1: You've
0: got to make sure that you're defining terms. You've got to make sure that you're, you're talking about God. God's not... The sky fairy, right? (laughs) Giving us little gifts if we act right. God's not the gentle old grandpa that just kind of winks at sin, gives you a slap on the bum and says, I'll get into heaven, you little (laughs) rascal. He's not that either, right? Neither is he the little, the giant mean ogre, right? So we've got to define terms. We've got to emphasize the sovereignty of God. If we're talking about the God of the Bible, you better believe that he is sovereign over good and evil. He has to be. That's his job. He's God. It. It's his creation. So explain the biblical worldview. Emphasize the sovereignty of God. Number three, assert that the existence of evil doesn't necessarily mean that God can't exist. We've got to stand on that ground, right? Because somebody will say, well, evil exists, therefore God doesn't exist. Why? How? Show me that. Because I have an explanation why it can. So what's your explanation why it necessarily has to mean that God can't exist? Right. And it goes, yes?
1: That's a, a good tactic when someone says, you know, how can a good God exist if my child has cancer? Yeah. The simple direct response is, well, if God doesn't exist, how do you explain this? Yeah. Because we both can't deny the child is ill. Yeah. What happened?
0: Absolutely. And that gets to the reasons, right? That gets to the why. Right? So and here here's here's where kind of the, the bullseye of this. Just because we can't see reasons for evil does not mean that there aren't any. That's where we gotta tap out as human beings. Just because we can't see or understand reasons for evil doesn't mean that there aren't any. It just means we don't understand them. Right, that goes to the mystery or the paradox or all those things that we were talking about previously. So people are saying, here, here, people are saying, I can't understand this, so therefore it doesn't exist. I don't know who it was. One of my guys said, okay, so go into a, a physics professor at MIT and tell them that all of the stuff they're doing is wrong because you can't understand it.
2: <laughs>
0: right? That doesn't work anywhere else you go. I don't understand how Len does what he does. He does this magic voodoo and stuff appears. Houses and decks and carriage houses and all kinds. I have no idea how it works. But does that mean it doesn't exist because I don't understand it? No, that's not the way life works at all. We've got to stand on that and say just because we can't see reasons for evil doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't any. It just means we don't understand them. Besides, the rest of the world clearly brings good from evil. What are some examples that you can think of where good does come from
3: evil? Haley. Uh If you uh, lose your keys and you're late to work and uh, y- your work isn't there anymore.
0: Okay. Like it... Burned down, or?
2: Yeah, something bad happened at your place of work.
0: So some sort of there, circumstance that yeah. saved you, but you thought was terrible at the time, but yeah. actually saved you from something greater, right? We could talk about that in the World Trade Center, and, yeah. uh, 9-11. There's hundreds of stories like that, where somebody went to get a donut at the moment that the, you know, something
1: like that. Yeah, Run. That happened to Steve, but he works from home, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so would just, say a good example <laughs> of that is I Joseph. working from home in
0: Joseph, Shh. I just don't understand. The biblical example of Joseph. We That's why I The biblical example of... I'll, I'll, I'll help you there. The biblical example of Joseph, right? Sold into slavery, right? Nearly killed, right? All that stuff finally gets to Egypt and gets set up by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison for a decade, right? All of that, right? And becomes ruler etc. etc. But then at the end in Genesis fifty twenty, what does he say to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Right? So he preserved all of Israel, but he had to go through all of that, right? What are some others?
3: Someone dies and they all donate their heart or any organ to save another life.
0: Yep. Death, like the ultimate evil, right? Or a secular mindset would say, right? The the worst thing that something could happen would be that somebody dies. But then it goes to the greater good. Yeah. No.
3: I was just thinking about, you know, when there's a something horrible that happens, like 9 like 11, you know, people came back to the church and people are seeking God, and because yeah. of some big tragedy, you yeah. know, that happens. Yeah. Whether it's, at, or even just like a, a natural disaster or, you know, some evil world, yeah. children's shootings or whatever, yeah. you know. You know, it doesn't always turn people away from the Lord. Sometimes it causes them to think, you know, about
0: their own life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's this weird thing where where evil could really make or break people. Right? Like severe tragedy, severe trials that people have gone through. Right? You'll see people that will come out of that ten times stronger than they went into it, or you'll also see people that will be totally crushed. right? So you can't just blanket, say... There's no reason for evil. Because, well, for the people that, you know, that came out thriving, well, there certainly
1: was.
2: It's like when some, we, we go through a hard time.
0: Yep.
1: If
2: we don't understand. Right. If we say, what is happening to me? Yep. He doesn't want to bring us to our knees and yep. seek God. Yep. And draw ourselves closer to Him. So exactly. it's difficult in a situation, but at the end, yep. it's a lie at the
0: end of the time. Yeah, amen. I mean, we can go on and life-saving medical treatments, right, that cause pain in the process. We can all remember taking our kids to the doctor's office to get shots or something, and they're thinking we're the worst parents in the world and screaming at us, crying, tears coming down their face. Well, what are we doing? Yeah, they have pain. Oh, we're giving them something that's necessary, right? We discipline our children to train them. The pain of personal growth, right? The pain of loss that we've talked about that eventually brings life, whether that's through tragedy or whether that's through an ended relationship or something like that, right? The world works like this. We don't. You, you just can't say that because I don't see a good reason for evil, there must not be one. Because the whole world works the other way. There are millions of reasons or, or examples that we could point to of good coming from evil. So why would you just say that it's impossible? You you, you can't stand on that. So assert that the existence of evil doesn't necessarily mean that God can't exist. And last, and this is probably one of the most powerful things you can do is ask them to explain the problem of evil from their worldview. Right? It's not just us, guys. Okay, fine. What's your explanation? We got to get this out of our heads that the Christians are on the hook to explain this, right? No, everybody has to explain this because evil is everywhere. Evil exists. Okay, Mr. atheist, what's your explanation? Right? And as we know, they don't have one. Nobody has one. Mm-hmm. Right? Their answers will fall far short of the biblical worldview. So if you want to look at it from a rational perspective, the biblical worldview is way, way, way more rational, and more logical than any other worldview's perception of the problem of evil. I'm going to stand on that. Go ahead,
3: explain it. Give it your best shot. What, what, what's, your, what's your explanation for it? Thinking about what you said before about like admitting that we don't know the yeah. answers. You know, if you're sitting with someone who's, you know, in pain because they've just whatever happened. You know, yeah, had their third miscarriage or whatever, whatever it is, and they're like, "Why is this happening?" Just a, a, you know, saying that I don't know mm-hmm. the answers, but I do know this still remains true about God. Yeah. You know, God is still good. Yeah. You know, he you know, he is still sovereign. He loves you. He cares for you. He's there with you. Yeah. And not trying to just slap, oh, trust God. You know? If evil bring it back off- to his character, Yeah, he is.
1: if evil's
0: off limits for God, then he can't be with us when we're suffering.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But God promises us in the Bible, no matter what happens to us, it actually works it to his good. Yep. For those who believe in him. Yep. So that's, that's so part of the biblical worldview. control.' There's yep. total control over, over you. Yep. Yep.
0: In the end, you win. In the end, you win. Yeah. We go back to the, that biblical worldview. Okay, well, a Christian does have a reason for suffering. It brings glory to God somehow, and it's going to grow me more into the image of Jesus Christ. Those are the two biggest reasons ever for a Christian. Right? And so I'm all, that's what I always, pastorally, that's what I say all the time when people ask, why is this happening? It's happening for the glory of God, and it's happening to make you more into the image of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people think in the middle of tragedy, God's taking time off. And be like, okay, when you get through cancer, then, you know, give me a buzz, and we'll get back to sanctification. No. Sanctification's a double time in the midst of trials and adversity. He wastes nothing. So, yeah, absolutely, guys. The, the biblical worldview points back to that. Definitely. Ultimately, this should cause us to uh, worship our God. Why? Because we worship a God that we don't understand, that we know through his word, we know his character, we trust his character, but if we understood him completely, he wouldn't be God. Right. That's the idea of worship. The creature is worshiping the creator. And uh, a good example of that is... Uh, Romans 11, starting in verse 33, where Paul just gushes, Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that it might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's where we got to end up with this. because that's what should happen is it should make us well up in worship of the greatness of our God. And so if I had a big idea which I did throw together, evil exists because the sovereign God allows it to exist for His purposes. He has a purpose. Evil exists because the sovereign God allows it to exist for His purposes. It's not that God doesn't know it exists. It's not that God it, it got by him. It's not that he's not in control of it. He didn't create it, but he allows it. Augustine would say he ordains it. and Go one step further. right? He allows that to come in through the gate. right? We can all say different things that hurt us in our lives or that were evil or caused us pain, and God opened the gates and let that happen. Okay, that's going to come into Frank's life, but here's what I'm going to do in the midst of that. Right? He's not creating it, but he stands indirectly behind it as sovereign over all things. For his purposes. Some of those purposes we even get to see. Right? Piper says God's doing a billion things at any single moment. And we might get to see one of them. (laughs) We don't know. Sometimes we do. So evil exists because the sovereign God allows it to exist for his purposes. Thoughts, comments, questions? Are your brains hurting? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I want us to really engage with this when we're talking to people about it instead of just trying to find, you know, the magic bullet. There's no magic bullet in in the evil and suffering. There's a lot of good conversations about it. But we've got to let God be God.
2: I ask um, if you would all pray for a guy named Bruce from my brother's place who uh, a couple of us from my brother's place had a three hour conversation with him today Mm -hmm. in regard to a lot of what we discussed tonight. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we definitely shared the gospel with him and
3: uh, so we just pray for him, his his hang-ups are, we just ended, just here, you know, why has
2: God allowed all these hardships in my life?
1: Yeah.
0: Amen. We'll definitely pray for him. And that's our comfort in those hardships too, that we can go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, but also that he's just, again, not just some far-off deity that doesn't care. He's with us in the midst of that. Yeah, let me close us in prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can spend time thinking about these deep things, Lord. We know that this is something that impacts all of us as As human beings, uh, we all bump into evil, pain, and suffering, and we all try to make sense of it, Lord. Uh, Let us have that healthy respect for you and for who you are. Uh, Let us resist the temptation for platitudes and and, uh, simple or oversimplifying things. Uh, Let us trust in your character. Let us trust in your revealed will, the biblical worldview. Uh, Let us trust in the fact that you are present with us in the midst of it. And that even though that there are reasons that we may not see and may not understand, we know that you are at work. And so we trust your hand in the midst of this. Father, help us. Give us those conversations. Uh, Lord, present those opportunities. We are thankful for the folks at my brother's place and the opportunity with this man today uh, to have some of these conversations. And so we just pray your blessing on him. Pray that you would be working in his life to open his eyes to the truth and the reality of Jesus the spiritual realities that are at work, uh, that sometimes only trials and adversities can pull back the curtain and let us see what is actually going on. Uh, Let it be one of those moments for him and let him turn in faith and repentance and believe uh, the gospel, Lord, and be transformed. Uh, Thank you for uh, the folks at my brother's place. Give them wisdom and your spirit as they speak into this situation. Thank you again for everybody here tonight and the opportunity to look at this we ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing and we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus amen